Hey everybody, welcome back to the On and Trough podcast. Sorry for the week delay, I was sick. I'm still feeling a little sickly. But I feel good enough to finish our top 100 today. Um, today we're going to be finally counting down the top 10 uh, after spending all these weeks going down from you know technically 107 all the way to 11. Um, and last time we started uh, our third to last tier with Devin Booker at 13, Damian Lillard at 12, and then Joel Embiid at 11. Um, so today we'll be finishing off that tier with number 10, which will be Jimmy Butler. Um, and then we'll be going through the penultimate tier, which is the 9 through 4 tier, or the 4 through 9, however you want to look at it. And then the top tier, which is the top 3 players. So, and again, players are relatively interchangeable within the tiers. So, if two players are within the same tier, but like I have one of them higher than you would have them, you know, I wouldn't get too worked up about that. I like having the tiers to kind of give it a little bit more flexibility because it's hard to definitively say, you know, Jimmy Butler is definitely better than Joel Embiid. Like, no, you know, it's just not true. In general, these players are not, anyone who's only a handful of spots apart are generally not going to be definitively better than the guy they're above. So I think having it in tiers uh, is the best, most fair way to do it. So anyway, with that preamble done, let's get right into it. Number 10, we got Jimmy Butler. Uh, Jimmy Butler is a weird player because in the regular season, he is pretty good. Like if it was regular season only, he'd probably be, you know, in the tw- in the 20s somewhere. Because while he is a very good defender still, um, he just doesn't really do that much for you in the regular season. Last year, 23 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, almost 2 steals, um, 54% from the field, 35 from 3, which is actually his uh, career best in Miami. Um, his three prior years in Miami were all under 30%, so he really took that up a notch, which is kind of funny to have that happen, right? Because Jimmy Butler is actually someone who, before going to Miami, was considered like a pretty solid 3-point shooter. And then he went to Miami, and that just fell off a cliff. Like, and he became more of a mid-range guy. Like, if you look at Jimmy Butler, from year two, year one he barely played. But year two, all the way before Miami, which was that Minnesota-Philadelphia year in 2019. When this eventually loads. Um, he was a career 30-whatever three-point shooter. Uh, it'll eventually load and give me the exact figure. But... It's like 34%-ish, probably, something like that. And then in Miami, he's been shooting 24%, 24%, 23%, and then last year, finally, he was up to 35%. Also, the volume went way down. He was attempting about three threes per game in those earlier years, and then in Miami, he's only been attempting about two. So that's also been an interesting development. But yeah, last year, career high in field goal percentage uh, by a lot. It was his first time over 50%, and he was at 54 um, always gets to the line a lot, almost nine attempts per game, 85% from the line. So really good at that aspect, right? Getting to the rim, drawing fouls, hitting fadeaways over smaller defenders, right? At like six seven, six eight, and he's like 230 pounds. Jim Butler, you know, he's really strong, uh, really hard for smaller, quicker guys to guard him, and he's a little too fast for the bigger wings. So unless you got like a Jaden McDaniels or Giannobi, you're kind of out of luck. Uh, we saw that in the finals in 2020 where he was absolutely cooking. Danny Green was too small and too slow for him. Uh, KCP was too small. Caruso was too small. Uh, LeBron did okay, but the only guy who really made Jimmy Butler work was Anthony Davis. So having to put like a center on him, that's tough. I know that was a few years ago, but he's like the same player. Here, finally loaded. So throughout, you know, years two through seven for Jimmy Butler, or two through eight, he shot 34% from three. 
And then somehow, since coming to Miami, he's only been a career 27% three-point shooter. And that's including this last year where he shot 35%. The first three years in Miami were horrible from three. I don't know what happened to him there. But regardless, he's still a really good player. Um, and the reason he is this high is not because his regular season stats. It's because he's in the playoff balls out. On that sweep where he got played by Dylan, uh, Dylan, Bryn Forbes, which is really embarrassing. He's been excellent in the playoffs. Um... For his whole career, but especially once he came to Miami. In 2020, the first year in Miami, 22 points per game, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, 49-35-86 splits. Takes the heat to the finals as a 5th seed. Maybe it was a 4th I think it was a 5th seed. 2022, um, 27 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 50-34-84 splits. Takes the heat within one shot of making the NBA Finals uh, for the second time in 3 years. And then this last year... 27 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals. Again, very consistent numbers. 47-36, 81 splits. Uh, took the heat to the finals where they kind of got eviscerated. But still, uh, nobody expected them to make the final. They were literally the 8th seed. Um, just some crazy stuff from Jimmy Butler. And it gets even crazy if you look at some of his individual playoff series from this last, you know, handful of years. Like, 2022, first round against Atlanta. 31 points per game. Dominant. Round two versus Philly, twenty-eight points per game. All these are all on good efficiency. Uh, the seven-game series versus Boston is a little funky. The overall stats look good at twenty-six point seven rebounds, but if you actually look at it game by game, um, he had a really good games and like three like really bad games. So if you look at Jimmy Butler's games, uh, I'm sorry, my basketball reference is very slow to load. Um, I need a new computer desperately. I'm surprised I'm able to record these podcasts at all, to be honest. But anyway, if we go back to the 2022 NBA playoffs, and again, because we're on the top 10, we're going to kind of deep dive into all these players, because uh, I mean, these are the players everybody cares about anyway, so I want to them. So if we go back to, actually, let's talk about the 2020 finals first, I know it was a, a little bit ago, but still, the 2020 NBA finals, uh, he had a 40-point triple-double uh, in Game 3, and he had a 35-point triple-double in game five uh both wins the only two wins in their series he was just electric but anyway the 2022 uh versus boston so in game one right 41 points 11 point victory game two they get blown out in a loss but he still had 29 then games three four and five he was really bad game three he barely played he was kind of playing through injury at that point he played 19 minutes uh game four was a blowout and he played 27 minutes uh he only had 14 combined points in those two games and he had 13 points in game five um, and at that point, it's 2-2. But then in Game 6, 47 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, 4 steals. Um, just insane numbers. And then in Game 7, uh, he did miss that 3 that would have probably won them the game. But he had 35 points and 9 rebounds. So, just crazy stuff from Jimmy Butler. Also, he had 18 free throw attempts in Game 1 and made 17 of them. That's insane. But so, Jimmy Butler in the playoffs is just unreal. But then his best series of his career, I think, by far... Uh, even even counting the 2020 finals where he was really good. Like, if you look at his overall numbers in those finals, um, because let me just look at that real quick. He did average 26 points, 8 rebounds, 10 assists, and 2 steals. Uh, and that's with a horrible game 6. He was just ass because they finally put AD on him and he couldn't do anything. But in the first five games, he was averaging 29 points, 9 rebounds, 10 assists with 3 steals. Just insane numbers. Um, but anyway, first round versus Milwaukee in 2023. Nobody gave the Heat a chance, even with Giannis out. Um, uh or when it was 1-1, but Jimmy Butler in that <laughs> five-game series, 38 points per game, assists two steals on 60-44-71 splits, just insane, 
the last three games specifically, he averaged 43 points per game. I mean, that is just unbelievable. That 56-point game in Game 4 was one of the most electric performances I've ever seen from anybody. Like, this guy was looking like a less athletic prime MJ. He just hit every pull-up jumper, getting to the rim at will, playing really good defense. You know, they had Drew Holiday on him instead of Giannis, and Holiday had nothing for him. He was way too small. He looked really slow out there, too. Butler was just cooking with step-back jumpers um, and hella free throws. But, yeah, so I think Jimmy Butler was just like that. Uh, he was pretty good against the Knicks, too, even though he got injured. And then against Boston, he was, again, kind of inconsistent, but overall pretty good. And then in the finals, I think he was really bad. Um, yeah, there's not really much. He was, he was not great. I mean, it was not really bad, but it was like 20 a game. You know, 21 points on, like, pretty bad efficiency. It was not nothing special. Um, but that's fine. So I think Jimmy Butler deserves to be at the top of this tier because when you look at these four players, um, Butler, Embiid, Lillard, and Booker, Butler is the only one who both plays both ends and is a good playoff performer, right? I think Lillard is an okay playoff guy. Embiid is horrible in the playoffs. And then Booker is a pretty good playoff guy. But Butler is the only, like, really good defensive player. So I give him the edge. Um... As you'll see on this list, I do like defense. I do give uh, players who play both ends a little bit of an edge. Um, unless, you know, your offense is just out of this world. Because actually, you know, at the top of this list, it's not as... The very top, it's not quite as defensive-minded. But for the, most of it, I think it's pretty pretty defense-oriented, relatively, right? Obviously, offense is more important, but I put more emphasis on defense than I think the average fan does. Um, but so yeah, that's number 10, the top of this third tier, uh, Jimmy Butler. Uh, great player. I think he's, you know, I don't know if he's still underrated at this point because every playoffs he just kind of shows up. So we'll see what happens with Miami again this year. If they get damned, that'll be really interesting. But big fan of Jimmy Butler. How can you not like Jimmy Butler? I think he's great. Ooh, okay. At number nine, we got Jason Tatum. Um, he's the beginning of this next tier that goes all the way up to four. So if you have a problem with Jason Tatum at nine, remember, you can argue for, for me, I think he can be as high as four because um, he is. it is all that one tier. So, you know, don't get too mad. Uh, Jason Tatum last year became the first Celtic ever to average 30 points in a, per game in a season, which is just crazy. Like, the Celtics have just never had, like, really high-scoring players. Like, Bird was at 29.9 one year. Uh, I think Isaiah Thomas was at, like, 29.7 or 28.9, something like that. Uh, and Havlicek was probably at, like, 28 once. But no one else really got that close. Um, the Celtics have always been more of a defensive-minded team. Right? They had the big three in Boston. That was more of a defensive team. The Bill Russell teams were obviously more defensive teams. And then the Larry Bird teams were also very good defensive teams. And their only like really big-time scorer was Bird. Mikhail was kind of there, but he never averaged more than like 27. And Bird never averaged 30. So when that happens, right, you know, it leaves it up to the 2020s with the highest-scoring era ever to finally get to a 30-point-per-game score. And Jalen Brown wasn't even that far off either at, like, 27. It wouldn't shock me if Jalen Brown did it one day, too. Because getting 30 points these days is not not as hard as it used to be. But anyway, ooh, man, I'm still not feeling well, as you can tell. So 30 points per game for Tatum, 9 rebounds, which is actually surprising. I didn't realize it was so high. 5 assists, underrated playmaker, 1 steal, 0.7 blocks, 47-35-85 splits. Not bad splits, but you want them to be better. Um, kind of Kobe-ish. Where it's like mid 40s, mid 30s, uh, mid 80s, where they're such prolific scorers and they can really shoot the score from anywhere. You kind of expect them to be more closer to 50, 40, 90, but they're not. It's fine. Um, that's not a problem at all. Uh, he made first team All NBA last year. You know, very durable. Played 74 games. He doesn't get injured, um, and he's a good playoff player. Um, I wouldn't say he's a great playoff player. But, you know, he's kind of like Lillard, where he kind of just stays the same, right, in the regular season versus the playoffs. 
Like, he doesn't really up his game, but he doesn't drop either. You know, has some stinkers, has some good games. Like, last year in the playoffs, uh, last three years, right? Uh, since he really... Or I guess 2020 was when he first became, like, a star. In the last four years in the playoffs overall, there's 26 points, 30 points, 26 points, and 27 points. So, you know, basically in line with what he's been doing in the regular, regular season, he's been averaging, what, 23, 26, 27, 30. So, again, pretty similar numbers. Uh, overall, in his last 66 playoff games, which is the last four years, 27 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. On okay efficiency, 44, 37, 84 splits. Um, his usual pretty good defense. And the last two years, I thought he really developed as a pretty good passer. Um, the problem is, is now that Marcus Smart is gone, Jason Tatum is probably the second best passer on the team after Brogdon. Maybe Horford is the second best passer, but like I just I feel like there's not a lot of playmaking on that team. But this is not about the Celtics. Um, this is just about Tatum. So again, I read you his Lakers season stats last year, and then in the playoffs, 27 points, one steal, one block, uh, 46, 32, 88 splits, and took the Celtics within one game of the NBA Finals, 3-2 to Philly and 3-0 to Miami, which is insane. Um, that Hawks series really shouldn't have gone six though, but Tatum uh, again. He's top 10 because how many players can score 30, be an all-defensive caliber player, still a good playmaker, can play on or off the ball. You know, there's just not really any real weaknesses for Tatum. He's just, like, very solid, steady, like... He's probably, like, the most, like... Besides, like, you know, like, the top three guys, he's probably the most just generally reliable, like... He's gonna play almost every game, you know... He's gonna have at least 20 points and play pretty good defense almost every game... Um, he's not, like, a super consistent scorer, but I think he's still a pretty reliable guy. Tatum does tend to have a lot of highs and lows, right? He's someone who will have 50 one night and, like, 18 the next, but he still averaged 30, right? Like, you know, Tatum had a stretch from November 4th to this week, and, again, my basketball reference will just not load, so that is not fun. And he, he averaged about points per game in this stretch, uh, just kind of eyeballing the these box scores. I would love if basketball offense would just do this math for me, but they won't. And then, you know, the very next week, he had two 19-point games on 20 shots. So that's kind of how Tatum is. Or, like, later on, Tatum had, on November 30th against Miami, 13-point win. He had 49 points and 11 rebounds. And then three days later, also against Miami, he had 14 points on 18 shots. So Tatum does kind of have, you know, moments like that. Um, he really is very Kobe-ish in a lot of ways. Like, the, the play style isn't the same because Kobe took hella mid-range jumpers and post-fades, and Tatum loves step-back threes and hates mid-range jumpers. But they're both, you know, good defensive players who, you know, kind of have, tend to have really high highs and pretty low lows for really great players. But I have Tatum at 9, a little bit lower than the rest of these guys because I just think, you know, like Jimmy Butler was the worst offensive player out of the top 10 players. Tatum is probably the next worst offensive player. Um, it's close. I, I think there's another player coming up who there are a pretty similar level offensive players. You can argue Tatum is a better offensive player. Um, but I think Tatum, you know, he's a little inconsistent. And while he's a good defensive player, he's not like an elite defensive player. Like, you know, he's about the same level as Butler. But like, I think there's a couple players who are better than him at that. So because he's not really the best at anything remaining, I just kind of felt to put him here. Um... Because, again, it's kind of hard to rank someone who, you know... Again, he's not the best or worst at anything here. He's just, like, very solid presence. Like, good in the playoffs, good in the regular season. You know, just good. So, I don't know. Uh, this probably isn't making a lot of sense. But I just felt like 9 was the right spot. Like, I just don't think he's as good at number 8. So, number 8, I have Kawhi Leonard. 
Um, because Kawhi Leonard, I think, last regular season, he was kind of whatever, because he was coming off the ACL. But, like, Kawhi Leonard, in general, in the regular season, is about as good as Tatum. Um, he's not quite the defender he used to be, but he's still pretty good. And I think he's clearly a better offensive player than Tatum. Um, you know, his passing is a little bit worse, but he's a better shooter from everywhere, uh, more versatile scorer, better scorer. And in the playoffs, he just becomes God. Um, again, the durability is an issue, but I don't really care about that in this rankings. I think Kawhi Leonard has gotten really underrated. It's funny because four years ago, right, coming off that finals MVP, he was tied as like the best player in the league. And it's like, oh, he's perfect. He's like Michael Jordan. And it was like, come on, guys, you're going too far. Every time someone wins a title, the, the players on that team get hella overrated. Like Kawhi Leonard was treated like God, you know. And then in 2020, LeBron and AD, you know, they were treated like gods. Although those were probably deserved. Um, then 2021, who was it? The Bucks. Giannis was treated like the best player in the league. And, you know, he probably was. But again, you know, Drew Holiday was treated like he was better than he was. Like now everyone is low on Drew Holiday again. But people were calling him like a top 20 player. And it was like, stop, stop. The same things happened to Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray and Drew Holiday are like the same level of players. And when they won the title, they're both rated way too high than they should be. Um, so that stuff just happens all the time. 2022, same shit um, with the Warriors. But so Kawhi Leonard, we're not gonna talk, we're not talking about how overrated he used to be. Now he's really underrated. I see him like below ten and below like thirteen, fourteen in a lot of lists, which is just ridiculous. Like there's no way you're taking some of those guys over Kawhi. So Kawhi this year, right? Even though he had a really slow start coming off the ACL, he still averaged twenty four points, seven rebounds, four assists, one point four steals on fifty one, forty one, eighty seven splits. That's really good. Um, thirty three minutes per game. The year before. About the same numbers, just 25 points, 51, 40, 88 splits. The year before, 27.7 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals. Again, almost 2 steals a game almost every year. On basically 50, 40, 90 every year. Like, since he joined, since his Toronto season, right? So, the last, uh, his last 4 regular season. And again, basketball reference will not give me the stats. My computer is so bad. But so, over these last 4 years, he's averaging about 25, 26 points on basically 50, 40, 90. And he's playing pretty good defense. I don't think he deserved these all-defensive teams uh, since coming to L.A. But, again, still really good. And then despite being really good in the regular season, come playoff time, he gets way better. Like, in 2017 with the Spurs, 28 points per game, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals. 2019 against, uh, not against the Spurs, on the Spurs, on the Raptors, right? 31 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. Um, and, again, the splits are all awesome for every one of these years. Uh, 2020 for the Clippers, right, when they blew the 3-1 lead to Denver, which we'll talk about, but uh, 28 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals. Like, still great in the playoffs overall. Horrible Game 7, but he was still good. 2021, uh, arguably his best playoff run. I know he didn't go far because he got injured in the second round, but it was 30 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, um, and that's counting a game he got injured in. Like, he was really good against the Mavs. We'll, we'll go through more individual playoff series. And then last year, he only played two games but he averaged 35 points per game in those two games um, before his season ended prematurely, which was sad and annoying. Um, like, I don't want to see the Clippers do well, but like Kawhi was just on one. And you don't want to see the Clippers season end because Paul George gets injured at the end of March, and then Kawhi Leonard gets injured two games into the playoffs right after he came off a season where he missed the whole year. So if we go through his individual playoff series numbers, again, this is why he's so high. Um or why he could be higher is in the playoffs. In the regular season, like, again, he's a really good player, but, like, he's still probably top 10 regular season guy. But in the playoffs, like, he, you can argue he's number one lately. Like, he's just been that good. Like, again, 35 points per game. Fuck. I'm sorry. 35 points per game against the Suns in two games. 
Um, against the Jazz in six games, he only played four of them. 27 points, eight rebounds, four assists. Uh, and again, I think I think one of those games he might have... No, he says he played 37 minutes a game, so maybe he played the full game. I don't remember when he got injured in that game for... But uh, against the Mavs in the first round, 32 points, eight rebounds, five assists. Uh, coming back down from 2-0 and down 3-2. Western Conference Finals. Again, this series is not great. The efficiency is a little bit lower. It's only 24 points, nine rebounds, six assists. But he was still pretty good early on in it before they blew the lead. Um, but then first round against the Mavs that year again, 33 points, 10 rebounds. Um, the Raptors, right, he was averaging 28 in the first round, 35 in the second round, 30 in the third round, and 29 in the finals. So, again, he's just been the epitome of consistency in the playoffs. Again, he had that one bad Denver series, right, where they blew the 3-1 lead. Uh, and he was horrible in the Game 7. And honestly, I don't think it gets talked about enough, so I do kind of want to mention it again today, just because I think it's really funny. But, like, Kawhi Leonard, I, at this point, he really is underrated because he had that slow start to the year this year, so he didn't get any accolades. And then, but since like January, right till you know the end of his season in April, he was really good. We'll go over those numbers in a second. I just want to look at this game seven stats again. Uh, Kawhi Leonard had 14 points on 22 shots, and Paul George had 10 points on 16 shots. Um, that's always just really funny to look at. You know, whenever I'm having a bad day, I just go to Clippers Nuggets game seven 2020. You know, click the box score. Uh, even better if you click the second half where Kawhi and Paul George combined to go two for 18 for five points. Uh, you honestly can't script it better than that. But anyway, that was that was a great day. I think it was September 17th, right? Or 15th. September 15th, 2020. So almost exactly three years ago. Um, just magic. But anyway, um, this is not supposed to be about slandering the Clippers in 2020. I want to look at Kawhi since January. Where we'll have to wait again like 10 minutes for basketball reference to load it for me. But uh, he started off really slow, right? And he looked really washed. But then, again, once he really got ramped up... Because, again, when you miss a whole year, it takes a while. Like, Jamal Murray took some time, too. And he's obviously younger. Kawhi Leonard at this point. I think he just turned 33. No, 32. He's still younger than I thought. So, again, he started really slow. Uh, if you look at his first 17 games, he was averaging probably, like, 15 points per game. Uh, once basketball reference loads. But, so he was okay... Um, yeah, I hate having to wait for this load. But yeah, so I have Kawhi Leonard as a top 10 player, or top 8 player, because mostly because of his playoff performances, but also how many wings can give you what he gives you, right? He's basically Tatum, but just more efficient and less inconsistent. So the first 17 games, it was 17 points per game on 47, 27, 79 splits. Um, so again, not great. Uh, he was also barely playing. He missed hella games. Like, it took him till... He played his 17th game, like, January 5th. Right? It took him so long to just play 17 games. But since January 8th, from January 8th till... It won't let me include the playoff games. But till the end of the regular season, right? He played 35 games. And he averaged 27.7 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals on 53, 47, 90 splits. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, that sounds like Kawhi Leonard to me. So I, I think people got to stop underrating him. Because how many players in the league are really giving you 25 plus points above average defense on insane efficiency like that? Honestly, not many. Especially if you count, like, the three-point shooting. It's basically zero. Nobody else shoots, like, 40-plus percent from three while being good at defense and highly efficient overall as a scorer and averaging over 25. Literally nobody in the league does that besides Kawhi Leonard. So, uh, I think Kawhi is very underrated in that respect. Also, elite mid-range shooter, obviously. Underrated passer at this point. He used to be a horrible passer. But in the Clippers, because they have no point guards and they haven't had any point guards, he's had to become one. Become, like, a point forward-ish. So, and he has. 
but again, I think Tatum, Kawhi, and then this next player, they're all very, very... They could, they could have been their own tier. They're all these, you know, two-way wings that are a great score. That's Kevin Durant. Like, they're all very similar um, in terms of their skill sets. Um, Kawhi and KD are obviously more, like, jump-shooting oriented, elite mid-range shooters. Uh, they're much better scorers than Tatum. But I think Tatum gives you a little bit more on defense. But I put Tatum last because I do think he's the worst offensive player of these three. So I could have made this two tiers, but I made it one tier because whatever. So Kevin Durant, uh, I think we all know how good Kevin Durant is. But I think he gets a little overrated sometimes just because of his reputation as being, you know, because he was a top five player for so long. And again, you could still argue he is. But I don't know. Like, I feel like he leaves something to be desired. So he averaged last year 29 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. Um, one steal, 1.4 blocks, 56-40-92 splits. First player in NBA history to shoot 55-40-90 in a season. Um, so just great stuff. Um, he's really improved as a defender since his OKC days. Again, I wouldn't say like deserves to be an all-defensive contender, but still a really good player. Um, and I thought he was pretty good in the playoffs, but he had some bad games. He's generally a very good playoff pre- performer. Um, besides uh, that sweep against Boston, that was horrible. Um, he averaged 26 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. But he only shot 39, 33, 89 splits um, in that sweep against Boston when the Nets were favored, even though I know they were the 8th seed. He was horrible. Um, but besides that, generally great playoff player. Like last year, 29 points, 48, 33, 92 splits, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, pretty good defense, like 42 minutes per game. He's actually averaged over 40 minutes per game in the playoffs three straight years. Which is crazy considering he's thirty four he's about to be thirty five in like two weeks. So in his age, thirty-three or thirty-two, thirty-three, and thirty-four seasons doing that is wild. Um that's LeBron esque for sure. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good in the playoffs this year, especially against the Clippers. Against the Nuggets, I thought he was a little eh. uh if you look at his gear. Um I don't know why I went to the game log. Hold on. Again, this is gonna all gonna take a little bit longer than I hoped, just because my basketball reference refuses to show me the stats. Uh, if you guys ever use basketball reference, right, you can click from highlight one game through another game, and it will add up the stats for you, all stats. But it's not letting me do that. It's really struggling. So again, against the Clippers in round one, 28 points, eight rebounds, 50, 40, 90. Uh, but then against the Nuggets, 30 points, 10 rebounds, five assists. Again, those numbers look better. But then 45, 20, 88 splits. So, uh, really could not buy a three-pointer in that series. Um, again, they didn't really have a chance. I think the Nuggets were just way better. Like, Aiton did not show up at all. It was just Booker and KD. Chris Paul got injured, and he had no bench. So, I don't blame him for the loss. You know me, I'm not a results-oriented guy. I'm not like, oh, you know, they didn't win the championship. Or, they like, Chris Paul's never led a final. So, you know, they're not good. Like, no, that's not how this works. Like, you look at how good someone actually is and what they do, like their numbers and their production and their skill sets, you can't just look at wins and losses. It's silly. Like, because a lot of times that's very skewed. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that in 2017, LeBron wasn't the best player in the league because the Warriors were just that nice. They had Curry, Clay, KD, and Draymond. Like, it was dumb. Uh, and a lot of people have that kind of results-oriented thinking, and I hate that. I'll do a full rant about that some other time. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time not talking about the players themselves. So again, Kevin Durant... Um, just top tier playoff guy. Like if you look at his playoffs since you know his whole career, really, it's almost twenty eight points per game over in every series. Like he has played in thirty two playoff series. Playoff series, man, can't fucking speak. Um, and 
he has averaged at least 28 points in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, uh, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So 14 out of 32 playoff series averaging at least 28. Um, and there's a bunch of like 26, 27s in here. Like, and they're mostly pretty efficient, you know. Uh, honestly, it's really 31 playoff series because one of them is literally 11 minutes in the finals in 2019. I'm not counting that. Um, or it was 12 minutes. And he scored 11 points in those 12 minutes. So that was honestly really impressive. Like, the Warriors were cooking while he was playing, and then he got hurt, and they were, oh, it was over. But Kevin Durant, like, again, relatively flawless player. Again, not an elite passer. Again, just like Tatum and Kawhi, they're all very similar. They're both two-way players. They're both, I mean, Tatum is not so efficient. But K- Kawhi and KD are very efficient. Um, they play pretty good defense. They rise in the playoffs. Like, I think they should all be basically right next to each other. They're all basically, because they're all honestly very similar players. So when I see someone rank Kevin Durant at like four and Kawhi Leonard at like 14, and again, a lot of times it's for durability reasons, which is goofy because Kawhi Leonard played 52 games this year and Kevin Durant played 47. And Kawhi came off an ACL. So that's silly. I don't understand how KD gets no flack for his lack of durability. All the flag goes to Kawhi, AD, Paul George. Now LeBron gets that. Like, when Steph Curry and Kevin Durant are just as injury-prone, Jimmy Butler too, like, those guys all get hurt at almost the same rate. And only half of those players get the flag for it. It's silly. Um, like, if you look at the last, like, four years, I think Kevin Durant's played the least out of any of these, you know, uh, star players who are not for their durability. Um, I'm not going to go and look at it right now, but because it'll take me, like, 30 minutes for basketball reference to open up a new page. But yeah, so Kevin Durant, again, I don't care about durability in this list, but my point is, is Durant, Tatum, and Kawhi, they're all very similar players. I think if you built the exact same roster and you just swapped each of them in at small forward, they would have very similar results. Um, I gave Kevin Durant the slightest edge because I think he's the best offensive player. Well, again, because I think defensively, they're all pretty comparable. I'd probably rank Tatum the best defender, Kawhi second, Durant third out of those three. And offensively, I'd have probably Durant one, Kawhi two, Tatum three. And because I think offense is a little bit more important, I again, like I said, I do emphasize defense, but when they're all very similar on the defensive end, I have to rank it basically by offense. So I put Durant first, then Kawhi, then Tatum. But again, it's very interchangeable. I wouldn't be mad at any order of these three players because they're all, like I said, very, very similar. Um, at number six, this is where I think, again, I probably should have separated these tiers, but I didn't. Uh, I have LeBron James, um, which is probably the lowest he's ever ranked for me. I don't think I've ever had him lower than three. Um, and again, he was kind of injured last year, so I don't know how much stock to put into that. I don't want to, like, underrate him, but I'm probably underrating him. Even though I've seen most people have him eight and lower, I've seen him, like, 12, 13 range, which is just silly. Like, do we not remember what he was doing before the ankle injury? And I don't think he's going to get injured this year. I think he got injured the last year because he had to overcompensate. So in the beginning of the year, Anthony Davis, he was balling out, and he had to over overcompensate because LeBron was still injured and he wasn't playing that good. And then the role player was garbage. And so AD got injured from that. And then while he was injured, LeBron was like, okay, I have to carry now because if I don't, we won't make carries. He overloads his body. He gets injured. AD comes back, right? And it's just an endless cycle of that. Uh, I think it really all started in 2021, these injuries for these two, right? In 2020, they were both pretty healthy. Um, they win the championship, all that stuff. 2021, they get no offseason, right? So they never had a chance. Um, none, of, none of the teams who made the conference finals that year did anything that year, right? The Lakers lost in round one because they were injured. Um, the Miami Heat lost in round one. Uh, the Denver Nuggets lost in round two. 
Yeah. And then, but they were also hella injured. And then the Celtics lost in round one. So again, those teams, they just never had a chance. But so, in 2021, no offseason. AD has a, some weird calf injury because he had no offseason. So he misses all that time. LeBron has to carry. Solomon Hill runs into his ankle. He's done. Their season is over. 2022, they come back. Um... Anthony Davis gets two random freak injuries. One where Jaden McDaniels, like, gets flops into his leg. Like, anybody would get injured there. That was ridiculous. So he misses a month. Um, and then again, LeBron has to carry this garbage team again, which overloads him, and then he gets injured. And then AD comes back, and he lands on Rudy Gobert's foot and twists his ankle, and he gets injured. So again, those are really freak incidents, but it happens. Uh, and then tw- last year, right, uh, I just mentioned. But anyway, so I think because of this... Because of that short offseason, it kind of started this weird cycle of injuries. But I, hopefully that's over now. We'll see. But I think people are underrating LeBron because of uh, the injury and how he played that second half of the year. Because right, once LeBron came back from injury, he still looked pretty good. Um, but like he wasn't like how he looked earlier in the year. Because LeBron at his best this year, right? He takes some time to load up. So I think I can. This year, when he looks mediocre in November, like don't, don't worry about it. After Thanksgiving is when LeBron really turns up. So if we look at LeBron... From November 26 last year, all the way until um, he broke the scoring record against OKC. Again, and this is 33 games, which is like half of his season. He averaged 32 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists on 52, 34, 78 splits. Um, his plus minus was plus 5. And this entire te- this entire time was with the shitty team, right? And a lot of it was without Anthony Davis. Like, Anthony Davis was not around for, out of these 33 games... So, first of all, the Lakers' record in these games was how many losses? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 15. So, he went 18 and 15. Uh, they were actually 18 and 13 and lost those last two really close games. But anyway, and Anthony Davis, he did not play for. Uh, I don't remember exactly when he came back. I think he came back against the Spurs. So I think he missed 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. So Davis missed 18 of those games too. And LeBron did all that stuff, keeping the Lakers afloat. Um, really impressive stuff. He was damn good. And overall, his season numbers are still fucking awesome. It was still 29, 8, and 7. Like, And in the playoffs, his numbers were also really good. Um, let me pull those up. In the playoffs, he averaged. Oh, hold on. It logged me out of stat head. God damn it. <sighs> really annoying shit. So in the playoffs, he averaged 25, 10, and 7. One steal, one block. Again, post injury, it wasn't the same. But again, those are still really good numbers on 50. Uh, 26, 76 splits. His three-point shooting last year was down, like way down compared to normal. So that should come back up. But again, LeBron, he still played great defense. He was hustling everywhere like uh, to make up for the fact that he really couldn't move like he normally does or shoot. And despite that, he still had like top five impact last year, you know, carrying that Buns Lakers team. I just don't see how you can argue like those three wings I mentioned before, or really four if you want to include Jimmy Butler. Like, they're all worse than him offensively. LeBron is by far the best passer out of all of them. He's the best scorer out of all of them because he scores the most efficiently, gets to the rim. He's the worst shooter, but like, he's still a pretty good shooter. Um, and then defensively, when he turns it on, he's a better defender than any of them. 
Um, he is older, so he doesn't play defensive defense as consistently as he used to. But still, at his best, he's better than all these guys. And that's what matters. So I have to put LeBron number one from these group, right? He's number six overall. Again, I could argue as high as four. Um, I don't think he deserves to be in that top tier necessarily. But I think number six is a fair spot for him. Uh, I think at this point, he's just been very underrated. Like, people considering him not a top ten player or borderline top ten player. Like, y'all gotta, you know, wake up. Uh, at number five, uh, I have Anthony Davis. Uh, I'm sure y'all love this, considering I see most of the list have him, you know, as high as, like, eight, generally, and usually, like, 12-ish again. I've seen him, like, 15 range, which is ridiculous. I think last year, coming into the year, he was super underrated. I saw him ranked below, like, Bradley Beal and Rudy Gobert. Like, he was ranked, like, 20. It was just stupid. Uh, the discussion on Anthony Davis uh, every year, honestly, is ridiculous. And even last year, after having one of the best years of his career, um, should have been all NBA second team. He still, you know, gets treated like dog shit. Um, he averaged 26 points, 13 rebounds, uh, two and a half assists, one steal, two blocks, 56% from the field, uh, 78% from the line. The free throw shooting really disappoints me because he was like an 80% free throw shooter. You know, through his first eight years, again, um, through his first eight years, he was shooting uh, 80% from the line. Uh, you know, huge sample size. And then in 2021 and 2022, his free throw shooting fell off a cliff. And he shot 73% from the line. And then last year, right, through, like, the beginning of March, he was shooting, like, 83% from the line. And it was like, oh, cool, his free throw shooting is back. And then the rest of the year, he shot, like, 60%. And he dropped to 78% overall. So that's very annoying. Uh, that's just a personal pet peeve. But, yeah, so 26-13, two blocks. Um, best defensive player in the league. Duh. And in the playoffs, you know, more of the same. 23 points, a little bit down. He did have to face the Grizzlies and Warriors, so like Jaron Jackson and Draymond, so that kind of hurts the scoring numbers. And also the field goal attempts were only 16 a game, um, so that went down. I just didn't think he really got the ball enough, but still 14 rebounds, 1.4 steals, and then 3.1 blocks. His defense was un, like out of this world in the playoffs, uh, especially in the first two rounds. In the third round uh, against the Nuggets, the, they just decided, we're going to make every single shot, and so they did. And there was nothing you could do about it. Again, I think it was a good playoff run. Uh, it's a little underrated. People talk about the, oh, the even number AD games with all these, you know, games. But, again, part of that is some of these were just blowout wins. He didn't take that many shots or blowout losses. Um, and a lot of it was just, you know, he doesn't get the ball and other people are cooking. Like, I think that gets really uh, overstated. Also, his durability is really underrated. Like, he gets treated like he plays, like, two games a year. And he's more durable than a lot of the players he, you know, that don't get that flack for it. I'm not saying he's Iron Man, obviously, but give me a break. He's the best defensive player in the league, which is why he's... Um, again, he still averages 26 points per game. People act like he's Rudy Gobert, where like, he can't score. And it's like, oh, AD is like so trash offensive. He's one of the best scorers in the league. Like He's one of the top 10 scorers in the NBA. And he's the best defensive player in the league. And the only, player, the only other player who is a top 5 defensive player and a top 10 scorer is Giannis, who will come later on this list. So, I think that really matters. Like, you know how many players in their career average at least 1.2 steals and, like, two blocks? It's not... I, I don't have the full list. But Anthony Davis is one of them, and it's probably just, like, him, Hakeem, and David Robinson, if I had to guess. I doubt there's anybody else on that list. Um, like, those are insane numbers. Um, there's no current player in the league who's averaged once... I, I, again, I don't think... I don't want to just say stuff, um, but I just know it'll take me forever to actually load it up. So, we'll, we'll save that for another time, I guess. The only player to ever do this. That's more of a tweet thing. But, yeah, I think Anthony Davis has to be top five because, again, 
super, super, super top tier on defense and still very elite on offense. Um, I know his assist-to-turnover ratio looks bad. I like two assists, two turnovers. But he's an underrated passer relative to the assist numbers. Again, he just doesn't really, you know, have a lot of creation opportunities. Like, he's not someone who's, like, posting up and, like, looking around for cutters and stuff. Like, nobody really moves on this Lakers team. Um, he's more pick and roll, you know, catch on the roll, finish. Like, he's not, like, dribbling at the top of the key. And he just has way, way lower usage than all the other guys who score this much, really. If you look at um, this year, the players who scored 25-plus uh, points, um, AD probably has the lowest usage. Um, we'll look at it right now. If I ever get to load this. Oh, man. Just not not, not a great day with my sickness and basketball reference letting me down like this. But again, if you look at the, the top scores from this season, same points per game, and then we'll look at their usage rates. AD's usage rates have always been really low. Uh, and his turnover rates are really low. He doesn't turn the ball over. Probably because he doesn't pass that much. But um, I think that's also an underrated aspect, not turning the ball over. Um, like It's like him, Dirk, uh, Dominique, Michael Jordan. Those are like the, the highest scores with like really low turnover rates. But again, if you look at the top scores, right? Most of the guys who are averaging 25-plus points or 26-plus points, their usage rate is 30. And Anthony Davis is at 28. So out of all the players above, Anthony Davis was 17th in points per game last year, discounting games played. Um, so everybody played at least 47 games besides Zion, who played 29, and Kevin Durant was at 47. AD was at 56, for reference. So he was at 25.9 points, 28.4 usage. And then everyone above him, Zion, 30. These are their usage numbers. Uh, John Morant, 35. Trey, 33. Jalen, 31. Kyrie, 29. Booker, 32. Donovan, 32. LeBron, 33. Durant, 31. Curry, 31. Tatum, 33. Giannis, 39, which is almost, I think, almost an NBA record. Um, SGA, 33. Lillard, 34. And then Luka and Embiid at 37, 38. Like, just absurd usage numbers. Um, I think AD gets underrated from that perspective, too. Because, like, again, he just doesn't really get the ball that much. So he doesn't really have that same opportunity. And if we look at the playoffs, it's more of the same. His usage was way lower. Um, he really needs to get the ball more. But his defense is still like that, and he still scores a lot when he gets the ball. So, again, AD in the playoffs, um, he was about the same rank in scoring. He was 17th in the regular season in the playoffs. I think he was, like, 19th. Um, he was 24th. But, again, it was, like, one point away from 17th. Oh. My nose is really bothering me. I'm sorry. So, he was at 23 points. And his usage was only 24. Like, everybody above him was at least at 27 usage. And AD was at 24. Like, that's the same usage as, like, Norman Powell and Tyrese Maxey. You know, lower than RJ Barrett. Lower than Malik Monk. Again, it's just ridiculous. And part of that's on him. But also, you know, pass him the fucking ball. So, I think he gets underrated because of uh, the low usage thing and then the durability. Uh, which, again, even the durability is underrated. Uh, I think he's definitively, you know, a top, definitively top, like, eight, nine player, like, at worst. Um, lower than that, I just think you're ridiculous. And I think you, he, he has a really good argument to be, you know, five or four. I have him at five. Um, I gave a slight edge to number four, Stephen Curry, um, just because I think what he does offensively is just unreal. Like, you know, you just can't stop this guy. Uh, Stephen Curry, last year, he averaged 31 points, five rebounds, six assists, one steal. On 47% from the field, 
Oh, this is the playoffs. Whoops. In the regular season, he averaged 29 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. I was like, those numbers look a little down. Uh, 49% from the field, uh, 43% from three, 92% from the line. Uh, you can make a good argument that he's the best offensive player ever. Uh, I wouldn't, but you can make that argument. Um, he's definitely top five offensive player ever. And he's six foot three. You know, he just makes every shot. You can score from anywhere very easily. Um, and his defense is passable. You know, he generally doesn't get cooked. Uh, although Lonnie Walker, Reeves, those guys, they definitely cooked him. But generally, you know, he is pretty decent at avoiding getting cooked. Um, and then in the playoffs, right, he's still good. Again, I, I don't think he's generally, especially in his younger years, I thought he was like more of a playoff state kind of the same kind of like tatum where like he doesn't really rise but doesn't fall either but the last couple years he's kind of been rising more so makes me wonder more about his playoff legacy but last year in the playoffs again 31 points five rebounds six assists on 47 36 85 splits again efficiency is bound to go down but the numbers overall went up which is pretty crazy uh, he was really good against the kings really taking advantage of the fact that they have absolutely nobody to play defense on that team they're thinking with that roster it's just not it's not it man um, he averaged 34 points, 5-5 five and five against the Kings. Um, he was just cooking them. The Lakers' defense is awesome, but he still averaged 27 points and 8 assists. Uh, only 44-34 splits for Steph against the Lakers. But, again, when you're facing the best defense in basketball, um, there's not really much you can expect. Like, you know, getting hounded by Vanderbilt and Schroeder and then ADs at the rim all the time because you have to play so many non-shooters. Uh, impressive stuff. Um, he's obviously the greatest shooter of all time. Uh, but I think he's also probably the greatest under-the-rim guard finisher of all time. People love Kyrie because he has the stylistic finishes. But statistically, it's Steph. Um, or at least it's probably Steph. I haven't looked through every guard and her uh, rim finishing numbers. But Steph, uh, last year, he shot 76% within three feet. Uh, by far a career high. Like, that's absurd. You know, like, a lot of bigs don't do that. Um, generally, first careers are at 65% at the rim, which again is elite for a guard. 76% is just absurd. I've, I've actually, I did not see that coming. Like, that's unbelievable. Um, and then he shoots 55% from 3 to 10 feet, 50% from 10 to 16, and 47% from the deep mid range. And we all know about how good his three point shooting is. Uh, last year, he shot 60% from corner. He shoots almost 50% from corner three for his career. Um, ha hasn't dunked since 2019, in case you were wondering. That's just funny. But. Again, absolutely got to your finisher. That's actually insane. Like, I don't think Giannis shot 76% from the within the three feet last year. Giannis had a down year, uh, just overall. We'll talk about him. Uh, not next, but uh, very soon, just a couple minutes. Um, I do want to see Giannis's. Yeah, uh, Giannis shot 79% from within three feet, which is still lower than his last couple years, but still higher than Steph's. But again, it's really close. So that's pretty impressive. So yeah, Steph, just god tier offensive player. Um, I would say he's the second best offensive. Mm, he, he's second or third best offensive player in the league right now. Um, I'm leaning third because I do have him fourth overall, and then Giannis is you know has the defensive edge. But then Jokic and Doncic are the other offensive guys here, and I think Jokic is the best offensive player in the league. And Luca and Steph is a tough one. I, I I mean I have Luca higher, and it's not like Luca's a defender. So I guess I guess Steph is the third best offensive player in the league to me. Um, I just think you know Luca. I think he gives you better numbers. He gives you more floor raising. Like he, he plays with you know literally nobodies, while Steph plays with multiple All Stars every year, and they still have pretty similar records. Um, and Luca's numbers are just absurd, and in the playoffs are even better. Um, so we'll just get to Luca right now. Luca, uh, since twenty twenty, 
29 points, 28 points, 28 points, 32 points. Um, okay efficiency, right? Like shoots in the mid to high 40s. Uh, mid from 30s from three and like a 75 ish percent three point free throw shooter um, averages like eight rebounds eight assists elite passer uh, pretty good in the passing lanes but doesn't really play much defense but he is six seven so um, it's hard for him to really get destroyed on defense just because he's so tall and strong um, and again he's absolutely carrying these very mediocre rosters in the playoffs every year except last year which was really weird. I don't. I still don't know what happened after that Kyrie trade. They had no bigs and no defense, but still, like, you know, Luca could have been better. And in the playoffs, Luca, you know, might be the best playoff player in the entire NBA. Um, averages thirty-three points per game, nine rebounds, and eight assists for his career in the playoffs. On better efficiency than the regular season, 47, 37, 70 splits. The free throw shooting is weird, but again, that that scoring volume is insane. The efficiency is insane. The minutes are insane. Like. I've never seen a player like this. Um, he's basically like if LeBron wasn't athletic, that's Luka, right? Like he's just as good a passer as LeBron. Um, the shooting is pretty similar. Luka's a better shooter than young LeBron was, but overall pretty similar shooting. Just one of those like, you know, six, seven, six, eight guys who just carries your team by being an offensive fulcrum, uh, scoring from everywhere, playmaking to all these you know, mediocre role players and really, really taking your game to the next level in the playoffs. Like, it's just unreal. Um, so you have to give Luka... Luka is the first player in this top tier, by the way. Luka, it's going to be Luka at three, Giannis two, Jokic one. Spoilers. Um, and I made the separation because I think, like, Luka... Playoff Luka is just another level. Like, I think regular season Steph and Luka are pretty comparable. Um, you can definitely make the case for Steph. But the playoffs, Steph, you know down series you know i best he stays about the same luca just really races his game uh again he, and he's only played 28 playoff games in his young cut he's just been so otherworldly otherworldly um i have to give him the edge he's just an unbelievable playoff guy always comes through uh number two we got Giannis, um because i think he's the best uh combination of offense and defense in the league uh last year in a down year right 31 points 12 rebounds six assists uh really low on the steals and blocks before this year he had like a seven year streak of averaging at least one steal one block um which is something that basically only him and anthony davis do and last year he was under one for both which is weird um turnovers were also up about four and field goal percentage was a little bit down at 55 percent, 28 percent from three was never a shooter and 65 percent from the line uh almost a career low so again, his, his, he had a quote-unquote down year, but he still averaged a career-high in points um, with 12 rebounds and 6 assists. Like, he's still a crazy, crazy player. Um, still one of the best help side defenders in the NBA. Um, since his second MVP campaign, or since really his first MVP campaign in 2019, um, Giannis has been on the league over that span. 29 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 1 block on 56% from the field. Uh, with again great defense and in the playoffs he's been really good since winning the title um he was pretty good before them too because again 2017 uh lost in six to i want to say the celtics i don't remember who it was that year let's go by playoff series that'll be easier so 2017 lost in six to the raptors and he averaged 25 points 10 rebounds on good efficiency and that was like his second playoff appearance first one is a star his first one was like in year two when he was ass um again 2018 loses in seven to boston 26 points 10 rebounds six assists 
2019. Ooh, first year as an MVP. Sweeps the Pistons. 26 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, second round versus Boston. Cooks them. 28 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, then the conference final versus the Raptors. He was really bad. 22 points on pretty bad efficiency. Kawhi and Gasol kind of cooked him. Happens. Uh, 2020, first round versus Orlando. 31 points, 16 rebounds, 6 assists. Kills them. Uh, against Miami, again, another choke. This is when he kind of got a reputation of being a choke artist. 22 points, 11 rebounds, 50% from the field. Even though he had a lot of really great playoff moments before then. And since then, his record has been relatively unimpeachable. First round, 2021 against Miami. Again, he didn't play great, but they swept them. It was kind of whatever. 23 points on 45% from the field. 15 rebounds, 8 assists. He was still pretty good. Uh, nothing crazy. Second round against Brooklyn. Seven-game series. 32 points, 13 rebounds. Come back down 3-2. I was at that game seven. Fucking awesome. He was sick. He had 40-something. Um, just incredible stuff. Uh, conference finals versus Atlanta. Uh, missed the last two games, but still 27 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. Good stuff. On uh, 60% from the field. And then in the finals, obviously 35 points, 13 rebounds, 62% from the field. His magnum opus, I don't think he's ever topping that. He was cooking Aiton. Uh, then 2022, first round versus the Bulls, 29 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, Seven-game series, conference semifinal loss to Boston. Um, his team really let him down. You know, Holiday didn't show up, and Middleton literally was injured. But he averaged 34 points and 15 rebounds, seven assists. He was kill kicking, killing it. Man, I can't speak. And then last year against the Heat, he played, like, basically one and a half games, and he averaged 23 and 11. Uh, he was really, really bad in that last game, in game five, passing the ball out of bounds to avoid... Uh, taking free throws and just he missed so many free throws in that series too in that last game um so that that was bad so again Giannis does have some bad playoff moments but who doesn't you know LeBron does Steph does um any basically Kevin Durant does Anthony Davis anybody with enough playoff sample size has done this um so I'm not gonna you know get on Giannis about that I only just because still in that top tier I just think Jokic has just been that good, that consistent in the regular season and playoffs the last couple of years. Like, Jokic really doesn't have any... He has, there's nothing. I mean, like, even his defense is not terrible anymore. So, it's really hard for me to criticize that. So, I'm just giving Jokic a very slight edge over Giannis. I think you can make a very good argument Giannis is the best player in the league. Because, um, again, he really has very little, you know, flaws on his resume. Um, again, he's not a good free throw shooter or shooter in general. But, game... In game five, he had 38 points and 20 rebounds. But he had seven turnovers and he shot 10 for 23 from the line in a two-point loss. So those numbers are kind of misleading. Because, again, it wasn't like he was horrible, but he was really bad in the clutch. Um, he was okay overall. Uh, and, again, game one, he basically didn't play. And he literally didn't play games two or three. But game four, again, he was pretty solid in a close loss. And then game five, he was mostly good, but the bad was really bad. You know, again, seven turnovers and... Uh, 10 for 23 from the line. So, again, Giannis, still an awesome player. Uh, I think you can argue he's number one. And then, he's MVP. Um, he's the best offensive player in the NBA. He averaged, uh, since his first MVP year, uh, we'll just look at these overall stats, because he's been fucking stupid good. Uh, last year, he averaged 25, 12, and 10, with one steal and one block. On 63% from the field, again, it takes a lot of jumpers, too. 38% from three, 82% from the line. Like, he's hyper-efficient, post-score, jump shooter, um, arguably the best passer in the NBA. Man, basketball reference hates me right now. Um, Triple-double machine, and then in the playoffs, more of the same. Uh, in 2021, when he lost in round two and had no teammates, 30 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. 
on 50-38-84 splits. Uh, the next year, uh, literally no teammates against the Warriors, 31-13-6 on 58-28-85 splits. And then last year, um, to win the finals MVP, 30 points, 14 rebounds, 10 assists, 1 steal, 1 block on 55-46-80 splits. Uh, had an incredible 50-something point game against the Suns that they lost. But overall, in the last 43 years, 26-12-9, like, again, incredible efficiency. Uh, just his playoff numbers are all abs- absurd. Even before his MVP years, he was a playoff riser. His career playoff averages of 28 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists, 1 steal, 1 block in 68 games are crazy. 53% from the field, 41 from 3, 83 from the line. Like, this is a dude who is easily going to crack the top 10 players ever. I know people say that about Giannis, and I feel like for Giannis, it's going to be a, a tougher road. Again, it's plausible. Same with, like, Luka. Those are players who, they have a chance, but the top 10 is tough. People love to just throw in any, you know, recent current players in the top 10 conversations before they're ready. Like, people love to throw, say, Steph is a top 10 player ever when it's just, like, it's not happening. Uh, or Durant. Like, it's not it's not happening. Um, I, there's, there's very... I have pessimism that it could ever happen, personally, that's just how I do my lists. Um, I'm not as high on those guys all the time as other people. Whatever. People can have the recency bias. But uh, Steph Curry... Or Steph Curry. Jokic, best player in the league. I don't think anyone's going to really argue with that. Especially coming off the finals MVP. Even though, you know, I don't think he was like that amazing in the finals. He was obviously deserving a finals MVP. But I don't think he had like an insane... Ah, maybe I'm underrating it. Actually, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Uh, I don't know what I was talking about. Um, but yeah, so Jokic was great. Um, Giannis is great, Luca. Like I, I, I think it's a clear top three. I think a lot of people will have maybe Steph or Durant in that third spot over Luca. But I think Luca, he's better in a regular season than them. You know, at, at least than Durant and in the playoffs. He's you know, besides Jokic, he's the, he's definitely the best offensive player in the playoffs. Like hyper efficient, averaging like thirty point triple doubles, just like Jokic, just crazy stuff. Um, with no teammates, basically, like. You know, he's never... His best teammate is Kyrie, and they never made the playoffs together. They played, like, 10 games together. So, we'll see what he does next year. Uh, I think he's just underrated because he missed the playoffs. Like, you know, part of that's on him, sure, but it happens. You know, everybody's missed the playoffs. So, to recap, the top 10, we went really long today. Um, eh, actually, just a little bit over an hour, but we went pretty long. Uh, we got Jokic at 1, Giannis at 2, Luka at 3, Steph at 4, Anthony Davis at 5, LeBron at 6, Durant at 7, Kawhi at 8, Tatum at 9, and Butler at 10. Uh, and remember, Jokic, Giannis, and Luka are in Tier 1. Steph through Tatum are Tier 2. And then Butler through Booker are Tier 3, and so on and so forth. Uh, thanks for listening to my Top 100 list. Uh, it took me a lot of time to make it and a lot of time to talk about it. But it was really fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Again, don't take it too seriously. It's just my opinion. Um, it doesn't really mean anything. Just like how, you know, no, nobody's opinions really mean anything. Like, when you look at other lists, you're like, oh, I hate how this player so Who cares? Like, people will just perceive things differently. And George Collin also once said, you know, think about how dumb the average person is and think about how half the people are dumber than that. And this is true of basketball too, right? So think about how dumb the average basketball fan might be. Half of basketball fans are dumber than them. So, you know, you don't really have to put too much stock into all these lists, including mine. I'm not like some hyper genius basketball guru or anything, but I feel like I know uh, a good amount about the game and I feel pretty confident in my convictions. But again, it doesn't mean that, you know, I have a flawless list or this this is the only way. Like, it's just not. So I wouldn't take it too seriously. Uh, we'll be back next week for some more general NBA talk, maybe some predictions, previews. Uh, I'm going to figure that out. But that's it for the list. Uh, no more rankings, uh, player rankings till next summer. Uh, I'll do these just once per offseason. 
Uh, well, thanks for joining me, and I'll see you guys next time.